Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we review the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifiers as Ivory Coast missed out on a place in the playoffs and as South Africa alleged dirty tricks as they lost 1-0 to Ghana with a soft-looking penalty. We are very disheartened by their action and we can't leave it and let it destroy the players. When we have the chance to challenge it, we will challenge it. That's coming soon, plus your thoughts on whether the FIFA rankings give an accurate picture. And in the English Premier League, managers Eddie Howe, Stephen Gerrard and Dean Smith all have their first game with their new clubs this weekend. How will they get on? Let's start with the 2022 FIFA World Cup qualifiers as the 10 teams through to the final playoff round of qualifying in Africa have been decided as the group stage ended this past Tuesday. Now Senegal and Morocco had made it with two games to spare. Egypt, Mali, DR Congo joined them along with Ghana, Algeria, Nigeria, Tunisia and Cameroon. Uh, the playoffs will be held in March of next year. We'll talk about the Ghana-South Africa controversy shortly, but Cameroon beat Ivory Coast 1-0 on Tuesday to top Group D, meaning that the Elephants won't be at the 2022 World Cup. Otherwise, the outcomes in the groups were predictable either, and the 10 top-seeded teams are the ones that progressed. There was controversy in the DRC-Benin game as well. It was a questionable penalty also that would eventually see DRC advance after what was a 2-0 win. Now, Benin having a stellar campaign up to that point, so I'm sure that that one must have hurt. As for the Elephants, well, they won't be at the World Cup. Uh, It will be for the second consecutive time. And I do feel somewhat sorry for them, truth be told, especially when one remembers the glory days. I mean, you know, this is a country that made three consecutive World Cups from the mid-2000s onwards. So, yeah, but this must have been sweet, sweet revenge for the indomitable Lions, Steve, and especially after that first leg loss. Well, some big teams qualified easily. Uh, you've mentioned Senegal, Morocco, who advanced in the October break. So, you know, this really wasn't too much for them. But the likes of Egypt, well, they've been very interesting to observe. The Pharaohs qualified narrowly, Steve. A 2-2 draw with Angola put them just over the line. Now, Mo Salah hasn't found the back of the net thus far in the qualifiers, as I said Really interesting, but who knows, maybe in the next round uh, is when some of these teams will really, really shift the gear. Nigeria also threw, but looking rather uninspired, if you ask me at least. So looking ahead, well, the 10 teams will be put into two pots based on their individual world rankings and then drawn together for a two-legged matchup. But before the playoffs, Steve, and this is where I think personally it gets really interesting, will be the Afghan. So it will be really cool to see whether some of these sides will face off even before March, you know, and what sort of precedent that's going to set. 
Yeah, sure. Now, there was huge controversy as Ghana got the win that they needed at home to South Africa, winning 1-0 with a very controversial first-half penalty. Uh, FIFA will hold a hearing next Tuesday to review South Africa's defeat after the South Africa Football Association made a complaint. Now, Bafana Bafana needed a draw, while a win by any scoreline was going to be enough for the Black Stars. And Daniel Amate went down in the box, following what appeared to be minimal contact from a South Africa defender. Uh, the footage is on our Facebook page in case you haven't seen it. Now, the day after the match, the South Africa FA chief executive, Tebogo Motlante, spoke of the plans to appeal to FIFA. We have ticked all our boxes and submit, of course, a, a full complaint which is supported by uh, all the evidence which was there to say that game either it was uh, indeed manipulated or the referee said uh, done something wrong uh, before that game, but uh, we are very disheartened by their action and we can't leave it and let it destroy the players. When we have the chance to challenge it, we will challenge it. Of course, we feel we feel very, very much robbed because it is not an isolated incident of a penalty. There are just a lot of questionable decisions by match officials. And of course, that's why we said we will get an expert which will just dissect what are the incidents so that we can make a strong case. And of course, we are looking at the precedents which FIFA set by, by ordering us to replay uh, Senegal and we think uh, if justice needs to be served the same decision needs to be taken against uh, this Ghana game. That's the South Africa FA Chief Executive Tebojo Moklante referring there to a game played four years ago when South Africa beat Senegal 2-1 in a 2018 World Cup qualifier. Uh, but a replay was ordered after the referee was found guilty of match manipulation which benefited South Africa. Uh, FIFA ruled then that the Ghanaian referee Joseph Lamte took two wrong decisions to facilitate a minimum number of goals to make certain bets successful. Well, a hugely controversial game this last Sunday, Ida. Uh, do you see the match being replayed? Well, many would certainly hope so, Steve. And look, I think at the very least, it does deserve a second look. South Africa, again at the center of such controversy, as you've said, though this time they do find themselves on the other side of the fence. And now the South Africa Football Association has linked the controversy and, you know, allegations of match fixing and bribery to sports betting. Well, the Ghana Football Association, on its part, countered SAFA on all its claims in a lengthy post on its website, which has basically dismissed any match-fixing allegations. Well, looking at FIFA, the FIFA disciplinary code does allow for protests based on what it calls, quote-unquote, obvious error by a referee. And in a letter dated 17th November, FIFA, sorry, did say that the protest will be submitted to its disciplinary committee on 23rd November for consideration. So hopefully, you know, in the next week or so, we should know a bit more on the situation. But all in all, it would be a sad ending for South Africa, truth be said. You know, they did lead the group heading into the final round of fixtures and just needed not to lose. But Steve, you are absolutely right. This undermines the credibility of African football even further, you know, between the 2018 World Cup qualifiers, now this, 
it's a horrible precedent seemingly being set, you know, that the world governing body needs to intervene and review every now and then. I mean, it just looks bad. Yes, yeah, so we'll see if the game will be replayed or if the result will stand. Thanks very much, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And one player who's been on fire this past week is Zambia's Fashion Sakala, scoring a hat-trick in Zambia's 4-0 home win over Mauritania, and then on target again as the Chipolo Polo lost 3-1 to Tunisia. With five goals over the six games, Sakala was the joint second-highest scorer in the group stage of qualifying in Africa. Now, Sakala is 24. He's playing for Rangers in Scotland, having moved first from Zambia to play in Russia and then to Belgium. In this interview from our archive two years ago, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint spoke to Sakala about his rise from humble beginnings and how he believes it's because of his faith as a follower of Jesus. When I look at my life, I can see that God is with me. God has changed the Lord in my life. I was born from a very poor family, a family that we used to sleep without food, a family that has not had nothing to to rely on. And uh, we believed that God is there for us. You know, we used to to have prayers as a family, and that's the the time I started becoming stronger and stronger in God making my faith being more stronger and stronger in God. I kept that from my childhood, that God is there for me. God will help me. I always read the Bible. I always read the Bible every day and I pray every day. So I believe what the Bible says. I remember when I was uh, in grade six, when we had uh, prayers, then I told my dad that the Bible said in John 14, verse 14, that whatever I ask in his name, he will give it to me. So I told my dad that, I want to be a professional footballer. And then that time I was very young. And then my dad said, if you believe in God, that God will do it for you, then you'll be a professional footballer. So from that time, I kept that in my mind that whatever I ask in God, God will do it for me. I kept it in my mind that God is there. And I kept on asking him that he could help me to be a professional player. Things just kept on going. I never lost hope. I kept on believing that God is there for me until he answered me. I was born in a Lulu area. It's a place whereby even people from there, they can't believe that I'm here now. They yeah. can't believe that I'm here now, but uh, God did it for me. He answered my prayers, and I also wanted to prove him that what I promised him, I can also do it for him. I came to realize that all these things that are, which are happening in my life now, it's, it's all by the grace of God. God is the key of my career success. So many Zambians, I mean, even outside Zambia, just people across the continent look up to yeah. you and they must yeah. see that success that you're having now and think, wow, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Can you just tell us, for all those people listening who are maybe young players across Africa, how did you get yourself spotted? How did you get yourself noticed when you were playing grassroots football back in Africa? Was there anything that you could pass on for advice? The first thing, like I always say, they have to believe in God. They have to believe that God is there for them. In whatever situation they are going through, they have to believe that God is there for them because uh, there is a reason for everything they are going through. There is a purpose in every situation that we are going through. So they have to believe that God is there for them. We had a tournament, you know, it's like inter-schools. I think we had like uh, four games, inter-school games, and then... Uh, I scored like nine goals. That was my first time when 
I realized that I can do it in football because that's the time I received my first call to go to a better team. After that tournament of the school, inter-school tournament, I joined the team that was playing amateur. And then uh, I went there. I had a very good season. I played uh, I played 17 games. I scored uh, 36 goals. The following year, we had the inter-provincial games. I was the only player who was selected from my school. That was 20, 2013. That's the time, that's the time I met Pat Sondaka, uh, that time when we were schoolboys. And he was playing for Lusaka province. I was playing for Eastern province. I went there. I had a very good tournament for provincial games. I, I, I played six games. I scored nine goals. I was the top scorer of the tournament. And, uh, one teacher got my line. That's how I got noticed by the club which plays in the first, uh, now it's, now it's in the second league, but by then it was in the first league, Zambian Super League, uh, in Changa Rangers. So I knew that that was not me being a good player, but uh, it was by the grace of God. It's, it was just the way it, God was making a way for me. He was making the way for me to make it in, in football. He's a miracle working God and he performed his miracles for me. Amazing story that, that Zambia forward fashioned Sakala on his football and his faith as a follower of Jesus Christ. Sakala was the joint second highest scorer in the group stage of World Cup qualifying in Africa. He's currently playing in Scotland for Rangers. And one other thing happening in African football, the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League ends on Friday in Cairo, or ended, depending which day you're listening to the show, with Wadi Degla of the host nation going out at the group stage, and the final between Hazaka's Ladies of Ghana and South Africa's Mamelodi Sundowns Ladies. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League. How will the newly appointed managers do at Newcastle, Aston Villa and Norwich? You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. Uh, to get the app, uh, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. To social media now, last week we asked, are the FIFA rankings fair? Uh, Belgium are currently the number one team in the world, even though they went out at the quarter-final stage of Euro 2020, while Senegal are top in Africa, and the Africa Cup of Nations holders Algeria are fourth. Uh, the FIFA rankings use a complex formula, so we asked, do you think that they are fair? A great response to this one, here with the comments, is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. Well, uh, there were a lot of people who think that the FIFA rankings are not giving a true picture. Uh, there was a lot of debate on our Facebook page, and we start today with uh, Ziad Abuzid in Algeria, who says, Algeria have gone 32 games undefeated, yet we are still ranked fourth in Africa. Yes, uh, and that became uh, 33 games, with Algeria as a draw against Burkina Faso. Uh, Sir Mubarak Babaji in Nigeria said Italy are supposed to be at the top. Azema Asopulu Louise in Nigeria says How are England topping Argentina and Italy? This is not fair. We even heard from Romania for the first time. Ovidu Flaviu Hasiu in Romania says This is far from being fair. And Ziad Buzid in Morocco also doesn't feel the rankings are accurate. 
And in Ghana, Ashes Gada says, what is Belgium still doing there? Muziwetu Mogs Mtwesi in South Africa says, how on earth is the USA in that list? Yaki Glad in Nigeria shares the same sentiments and says, what's the United States doing in 13th place? Does this include the female league? No, this is uh, just the men's ranking. Uh, but uh, Adnane El Adawi Kun in Morocco also questioned the ranking of uh, the USA. But success Irene Oshias in Nigeria says they are indeed among the top 20 in the world. And Gad MC, who is in Ghana, says of late they look quite strong. They now have some good crop of players coming through their ranks. And we also heard from Chris Ayers on this debate saying, I'm loving the amount of outrage of these rankings. You do realize rankings aren't a matter of opinion, but they're a matter of fact, just like in every other sport. And we move over to WhatsApp now, and we start with Obina in Nigeria, who says uh, they are not fair. Chimex from the Gambia says, in my own opinion, the FIFA rankings are fair, uh, but leave our Africa for now, because we are still battling with lots of inconsistency. Abolong Baji in the Gambia says, many might question the credibility of the formula used by FIFA. I think it is supposed to become by merits. To make it simple, says Bolong. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Bolong. Although FIFA would say that the formula is fair, as it takes all results into consideration and considers the importance of the game and gives a weighing for results over a four-year cycle. Uh, back to uh, Facebook now. And uh, but uh, Ivanson Neji Wuga in uh, Cameroon uh, feels that the African teams are not being ranked fairly, saying, so you guys want to tell me that the United States of America is stronger than Algeria or Senegal? And uh, Rabi Uzaki in Ghana says, yeah, I think the ranking is fair. It's uh, not about winning trophies, although it's also a factor. Uh, but I think it's based on points a team earns. Let me be a bit clear. For instance, let's take the World Cup. Uh, for instance, a team may win, draw and lose its uh, three group matches, uh, but may qualify and go on to win the trophy. Another team also may win all its matches in the group stage and also win all its matches into qualifying for the final but end up losing the final. Do you think it's fair to rank the team that loses and draws a match but won the competition above the team that won all its games except for the final? Well, thanks, Rabio, and uh, that's uh, one of the reasons why Belgium are top and why there is uh, so much debate on this one. Gerald Nweke Lorenzo in Nigeria says, Rankings don't lie. Have you ever heard of ranking points? Just look at the FIFA website. It explains how rankings are calculated. And indeed, it does. But there you have it, uh, Steve. The majority of our correspondents this week have question marks about these FIFA rankings. Well, thanks very much, Ephraim. That's a planet sport football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everyone who got in touch on this uh, hot topic. Indeed, you can go to the FIFA website and read about this uh, complex mathematical formula that's used to uh, come up uh, with the world rankings in football. Well, this week on social media asking, would you fire a coach early in the season? 
As the English Premier League resumes this weekend, three clubs have brand new managers. That's Dean Smith at Norwich, Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa, and Eddie Howe at Newcastle. Watford and Tottenham also fired their managers early in the season. Uh, so, what do you think? Should clubs be patient, or is it best to get a new manager if you make a bad start to the season? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine two three two seven eight zero. Last week on the show, Stuart talked about this, and he showed that uh, looking at the statistics, it does produce mixed results if you fire the coach early in the season. Uh, but what do you think? Would you fire a coach early on if you get bad results, or would you take a more patient approach? Right now, joined by our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK, and the English Premier League back this weekend. Liverpool, Arsenal, and Leicester against Chelsea on Saturday are the standout games of the weekend. And as I was saying there, Stuart, three new managers: Eddie Howe at Newcastle, Stephen Gerrard at Aston Villa, and Dean Smith at Norwich. What's your assessment of how they're likely to do at their new clubs? Well, Steve, when Steve Bruce was told that his services were no longer required as manager of Newcastle United by the new billionaire owners, we read that they were in talks with Paolo Fonseca, the former Roma manager, Unai Emery, uh, who'd been at Arsenal, and Antonio Conte, that was before he went to Tottenham. And with all the money behind them, and the plans to make stellar signings, we expected a top international manager. So the news that Eddie Howe has been appointed was something of a shock. But now don't misunderstand me. Eddie Howe is a fine manager and an even finer human being. He was manager of Bournemouth for 10 years in two spells and of Burnley for three. He played 270 games for Bournemouth, mainly in the Championship. Now, in 2015, he took Bournemouth into the Premier League for the first time in their history and kept them there for the next four years, finishing 16th, 9th, 11th, 14th. A remarkable achievement, given that Bournemouth has only a population of 180,000, never been in the Premier League, and that their ground, the Vitality Stadium, could only hold 12,000. But when Bournemouth were relegated to the Championship in 2020, Eddie Howe left and has not really worked since. How, I think, is an intriguing choice. If you have all the money in the world and you want to attract world-class players, I would have thought a world-class manager might have helped. And you could see, therefore, why they were going for people like Conte and uh, Fonseca and so on. How, as I say, is a very good manager, but he's never managed a big club and never managed outside of England. But if you are looking for a manager who can stabilise a team which is currently in the relegation places and frankly in relegation trouble on merit and can bring in perhaps predominantly English players to keep the club in the Premier League then Howe looks an excellent choice. Will he still be Newcastle manager three years from now? I doubt it. Yeah, indeed, given the longer-term aspirations of Newcastle, but I guess now avoiding relegation is the uh, first thing for them. Um, so what about Steven Gerrard at uh, Aston Villa then, Stuart, the Liverpool legend? Absolutely. Uh, one of the best midfield players uh, in the world in his day, uh, a one-club player, 500 appearances in the Premier League for Liverpool, 100 caps for England, Champions League winner with Liverpool. 
His managerial experience is three years in Scotland with Glasgow Rangers, whom he took to their first Premier League title in ten years. Now, it's what you might call the worst-kept secret in football that Stephen Gerrard will be the next manager of Liverpool when Jurgen Klopp decides it's time to go. And having some Premier League management experience will only make him a more suitable candidate for Liverpool when the time comes. I was amused that this week in his initial press conference at Aston Villa, he denied that it was a staging post on the way to Liverpool. Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Now, the fact that the Villa chief executive, Christian Purslow, used to work at Liverpool and knows Gerard well, probably made the move more straightforward. Personally, I thought that Dean Smith did an excellent job at Aston Villa, bringing them up from the Championship, stabilising them in the Premier League, taking them to a Wembley Cup final. And I think that club owners panicked, rather hastily firing him, following one poor run of results. I'm sure Gerrard will do a good job, but Dean Smith took Aston Villa to 11th in the Premier League last season, their best league position for 10 years. Will Gerrard do better than that? We'll have to wait and see, but perhaps not. And talking of Dean Smith, he wasn't out of work for long, having been asked to replace Daniel Farke at Norwich City. Smith had been at Aston Villa for four years, prior to that four years at Brentford, doing extremely well at both clubs. I'm sure he'll do a good job at Norwich, but the Norwich squad of players simply doesn't look good enough And in the last three seasons, remember, they were promoted, relegated and promoted again and now look like being relegated again. Currently bottom of the Premier League with only one win in 11. If you ask me for a prediction, Steve, I would say that Norwich will be relegated this season and probably promoted again next. Uh, so they might to follow that same pattern, uh, the Canaries. And a big games this weekend, Stuart. Uh, Liverpool against Arsenal, Leicester against Chelsea. Looking like very interesting fixtures. Yes, I mean, as the Premier League action resumes this weekend, there are a number of intriguing games. Top of the table, Chelsea go to Leicester City, knowing that a defeat there could see Manchester City, who are at home to Everton or West Ham away to Wolves, join them. Equal top of the table, just separated by goal difference. And West Ham go into that game at Wolves on the back of four straight Premier League wins. Liverpool at home to Arsenal is quite intriguing. Fourth playing fifth. Knowing that the two clubs can swap positions if Arsenal could pull off the win. And that was probably unthinkable a month ago, but at the moment, Arsenal are in such good form. And then as far as the new managers go, Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa are at home to Brighton, Eddie Howe's Newcastle play Brentford, and Brentford have lost four in a row, while Newcastle, incredibly, are looking for their first league win of the season. Dean Smith's Norwich are at home to Southampton, who have won only three of 11 games this season. And that really is the kind of game that Norwich need to be winning if they're going to have any real hope of survival. Yes, it should be an interesting weekend in the English Premier League. And as Stuart, we talked about the World Cup qualifiers for Africa earlier in the show. Uh, elsewhere, Brazil and Argentina have already qualified in South America. And in Europe, Italy and Portugal missed out on automatic qualification. Yes, Steve, we now know 13 of the 32 countries which will take part in next year's World Cup. Qatar, the hosts, will be there. As you say, from South America, the Giants, Argentina and Brazil have qualified. Ecuador looks strong. 
which would mean only one from Colombia, Peru, Chile and Uruguay likely to qualify. Europe has 13 places and 10 group winners have secured their place in Qatar. That's Belgium, Croatia, Denmark, England, France, Germany, Netherlands, Serbia, Spain and Switzerland. Then there's a further round of playoffs which will determine which three additional teams will qualify. And, as you say, Italy, ranked fourth in the world, Portugal, ranked eighth, are among the 12 countries contesting those three places. And it's it's just two games, you know, not home and away. So it's, um, it's going to be quite tight for all of them. Uh, North America will be three from USA, Canada, Mexico and Panama. And in Asia, the leading candidates are Iran, South Korea and Saudi Arabia. Steve, it's getting exciting. And do you know, next week will be exactly one year from the start of the World Cup 2022. Ah, really? Uh, so it's coming closer. And what else have you got for us, Stuart? Tottenham supporters will be bemused by the form of Harry Kane. In the international break, he scored seven goals for England, nine in total this season, but just one for Tottenham. But we can reveal that the new Tottenham manager, Antonio Conte, has made a major decision and has banned both ketchup and mayonnaise from the training ground menu. Perhaps Kane's form has all been to do with diet. (laughs) Maybe it has. We'll see if Kane can bang in any goals this weekend in the Premier League. Well, thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.